Hi everyone, welcome back to Very Factual Podcast. We're your hosts, Kayla. And Isabella. And on Sunday, we had a very unexpected scoreline between Arsenal and West Ham. Yeah, so Arsenal played West Ham on Sunday and com- and completely destroyed them 6-0. First half kicked off in the 32nd minute, Saliba opened up the scoring, and just 10 minutes later, Bukayo Saka earned a penalty, scoring straight through the goalie. Then in the 44th minute, Gabriel Mingue... Min- okay, Isa, hold on. I don't I, know no, just just, just say Gabriel, because I don't know how to say his last name. Gabriel? And it's Saliba. Saliba. Do not try to say Gabriel's last name. <laughs> no one knows how to say that. Okay, because I was like, is that like Mangale? <laughs> I, I don't okay. know. That's one I can't tell you. Got it, got it. Okay, let's just restart that. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Very Factual Podcast. We're your hosts, Kayla. And Isabella. And on Sunday, we had a very crazy scoreline between Arsenal and West Ham. Yeah, so Arsenal played West Ham on Sunday and absolutely destroyed them 6-0. First half kicked off and in the, in, in, in the 32nd minute, Saliba opened up the scoring. Just 10 minutes later, Bukayo Saka earned a penalty, scoring straight through the goalie. Then in the 44th minute, Gabriel gave Arsenal yet another goal. Just two minutes later, Trozadard put Arsenal at a 4-0 lead for halftime. Second half begun and Arsenal was quick to score again, with Bakayo Saka scoring the first one and Declan Rice scoring just two minutes later. And I have to say, the scoreline, very unexpected, mm-hmm. but I did expect Arsenal to win this game. Something I was more most surprised with was how bad West Ham were rather than how good mm-hmm. Arsenal were. It's just West Ham had one shot on target the whole game and literally West Ham fans were leaving before halftime, which just shows how bad they were. And I said this last week, but I like I don't think West Ham have had a super bad season. Like I don't think they have been super bad this season until recently. Like we saw when <laughs> They uh got beat by United 3-0 last weekend, and now they literally doubled that loss against Arsenal. And it it just kind of shocked me because, like, West Ham, they started off the season amazing. Like, I thought they were going to do really bad without Rice, but they, you know, they did really well. And now it's just starting to catch up with them, and I was, in like, very shocked. I mean, honestly, me too. Looking at the possession also, Arsenal had 70% and... Um, West Ham had 30 so Mm -hmm. that's just like that says a lot the total amount of shots not even on target was 25 to 5 Mm -hmm. like West Ham like you said they were doing surprisingly good in the beginning of the season and then all of a sudden I don't even know what happened but they just kind of like fell yeah and they like you said they doubled their scoreline from against United it's just you know that I mean I expected so much better from them I knew Mm -hmm. they were gonna not new but I expected them to lose this game but not this badly, like, at all. Yeah, I think it's a very important win for Arsenal, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one that they needed. They showed that they can score in this game and create goals, even if it took them, like, a little bit. But um, I think my man of the match was Declan Rice. And the reason is he had two assists in this game and he got a goal against his old team and West Ham fans were booing him in the beginning of the game. And then he like shut them all up, getting the assist uh, in the first goal. And it's just he contributed all over the field and he is so worth his price tag. He was super expensive, but he just shows that he's worth it because he works in defense. He works offensively and he just he doesn't stop. 
I mean, yeah, he was definitely worth the price. And the actual man of the match that was voted on the Premier League app was Bukayo Saka. And honestly, I think he just won because he scored two goals, a penalty, and, you know, like mm-hmm. a real goal. But I've got to say that he is kind of gain- gaining some form back because we saw he kind of, like, got exhausted. He mm-hmm. sat out for a little bit. And now he's slowly gaining his form back, which is good to see he didn't completely burn out or, like, completely give up just because of a few bad games. I'm pretty sure when we did our Premier League predictions, you said Bukayo Saka would be player of the season, or was mm-hmm. it someone else? No, yeah, I said that, I think. And then I said Declan Rice <laughs> will be player so, of the season. I mean, they're both phenomenal players, but honestly, Declan Rice has been more consistent this season I between think, them two. Yeah, so. I think Rice has a good chance, like, if he, I'm being honest. You know, honestly... Go ahead. I feel like, sorry, I feel like Holland, this is completely off topic, but everyone was saying like Holland was going to win like the man of the season, but I don't think so. I I don't think he's going to be like, he might be like an option, but I don't think he's going to win. I feel like Rice has more of a chance than Holland. I just, I don't think goals are all you have to look at. Like Declan Mm -hmm. Rice, he doesn't score every single game, but he, he like groups the Arsenal side. He, he just, He's just such a key figure in that side. And when he's out, they they don't do good. And Arsenal, they have regrouped since Christmas. And we thought, just as we thought they were out of the title race, they made themselves relevant again. And now they're only two points off leaders, um, uh, Liverpool. And they're tied points with Manchester City, which is just something I was not expecting. And I think I kind of like wrote them off. And I thought this was going to be a Liverpool and City title race. I mean, me too. I, I mean, here's the thing. I expected Arsenal to be some kind of a contender, but I didn't expect them to be as persistent as they are because mm-hmm. they did kind of have that little fallout for a little bit as every single team has so far. But they picked themselves back up quickly, which was a bit unexpected. But, I mean, I've been secretly kind of rooting for them, so I'm kind of happy about that. Liverpool bounced back after their loss at Arsenal last weekend with a 3-1 to win against Burnley. Diogo Jota would open the scoring in the 30th minute off a corner kick. Burnley would then tie the game right before halftime with O'Shea scoring an incredible header, but it wouldn't last long as in the second half, goals from Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunez brought Liverpool back to the top of the table. And I think you knew what Liverpool would get out of the game. Like, Burnley have not lived up to Premier League expectations. I thought they were going to do actually very well in the Premier League. And it was just a comfortable win for Liverpool in the end. You know, they got their top spot back after City were up there for a couple hours. And it's, it, you know, I think it's expected. I mean, yeah, I feel like the scoreline is what you would expect. I feel like halftime scoreline. I would not expect that. I feel like it would have been more of, like, you know, Liverpool in the lead constantly. Mm -hmm. But, you know, clearly they brought it together quickly. And something about Darwin Nunez, he does not get the recognition he deserves in Liverpool. Like, yes, people constantly are like, oh, look, he's scoring and stuff. But, like, he's a top player, in my opinion, and very crucial to Liverpool right now. And I just feel like he's not getting that recognition that he deserves in the club. Yeah, it's, like, sometimes, you know, sometimes – uh, Nunez has trouble scoring but Liverpool fans like love him like mm-hmm. I have not seen them turn on him and that's something I'm surprised about because usually when a player cannot produce and score goals like fans turn on them but Liverpool fans seem to like literally love Nunez and I actually think like you said he doesn't get the recognition like when he get- gets a goal he actually does pretty good yeah when he gets a goal everyone's like yay he scored but it's like 
usually his goals are not just like you know goals they're pretty phenomenal you know they're like they're mm-hmm. like oh he kicked it this way or he headed it I don't know I don't know how this goal specific goal was scored but I'm mm-hmm. just saying he's usually pretty it's pretty phenomenal and Burnley's goal it was a header right you said Yes, it was an incredible header. Yeah, I feel like usually when goals are scored by headers, they're normally incredible. So I feel Mm -hmm. like it's just amazing in the first place that Burnley was able to get that against Mm -hmm. Liverpool. Because Liverpool, as we know, they do have a strong defensive line. So it was, I mean, it's just pretty shocking to me. But you you knew Liverpool was going to win this game one way or another. You talked about the halftime scoreline and how it wasn't so convincing. And I think that was because Burnley actually started off surprisingly well. Like, Mm -hmm. they pressed. They got an incredible goal off a header. Like, it was very clean. It was a very – I guess it was a far distance from the net. And just Liverpool could not put Burnley away. Like, they had trouble doing that. And then we talked about Nunez. He got a goal and in the second half. And that's probably when you knew, yeah, Liverpool won the game. Like, it's over. I think my favorite player in the Premier League right now, or at least one of my favorite players, is Diogo Jota. He continues to impress. He just can finish any ball that he receives. Even when he doesn't start, he comes on and he does the job. Like, he never complains of being on the bench. It's just he always comes and contributes for Liverpool when they need him. And I think he is probably one of the best finishers in the Premier League. And I think he's massively underrated. I mean, I agree. He's pretty, he's like amazing. He knows what he's doing on the field. He has that right headspace when he's there. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. And this was a game that Liverpool, I feel like they needed just to boost their confidence after, you know, that loss at Arsenal. And they did exactly that. And, you know, they're top of the table still. And they just have to continue that. There's, I mean, there's nothing else to really say about Liverpool. They brought what they needed to the table. They're still mm-hmm. in first place. They're sure they had that little bump in the road, but they're still being pretty constant with their wins. So Manchester United traveled to Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> British content we consume so we just have to say everything with an accent I don't even know what I don't even know what just happened to me okay I love that can I keep that in here yes you can keep it okay that is okay. wonderful I love that that <laughs> is you, amazing <laughs> okay Manchester United traveled to Birmingham to play Aston Villa and headed home with three points after winning 2-0. United's Rasmus Hoyland shockingly opened up the scoring in the 17th minute with a controversial goal. He kind of like started off behind Villa's defender and then he kind of like jogged forward but realized he was like he could be offside so the ball was being kicked as he was running. But I guess it didn't really count as offsides because when he started running as the ball was being kicked, like, it was kind of weird. And I don't even know what I would do if I was the ref, but he didn't even, like, look at VAR. So I guess it was a legal goal. And I'm not really complaining, honestly, because it did put United in the lead for a little bit. Anyway, as soon as United scored their first goal, Villa was like, oh, shoot. And United came out stronger than we thought. And they started attacking United's net. Like, I mean, constantly going, going, going. And Onana made a lot of great saves. Like, Villa probably would have scored three goals in one minute if Onana didn't save them. But soon enough, in the 67th minute, Luis? Luis? You got it. Douglas Luis. You got it. Yeah. Equalized the game. United didn't give up, and I'm so happy to see that they kept pressing, which gave McTominay a beautiful header right into the net through Villa's goalie's hands. 
And I mean, this game was amazing. There was constant action between the teams, and I expected this to be like a quote easier win for Villa, but clearly it wasn't. First of all, I just I love your analysis of the game. Like first Birmingham, and then <laughs> <you> just <laughs> I, I love it. I just I love like the personality in there. And thank last you, week you. you said that Mitomine was probably United's most important player right now. Mm-hmm. And he saved the day again, like he has yeah, been doing. I, I had a feeling actually that United would do very well in this game. I have no idea why. Like, it's weird for me to think that, but I just, before the game, I was like, you know what? I think today's going to be a good day for United. And, you know, because Villa had have had some, like, wonky results recently, I think they are kind of, like, running out of steam, I guess you could say. Like, some of their players look tired, like Douglas Luiz and, and John McGinn. And, but Villa actually had more shots and more possession, which I was like, oh, okay, but United won. Um Hoyland continues his amazing form. He's such a good player. Like, I mm-hmm. wouldn't realize how good he was. Like, he scored in the last five United games. I mean, that's just phenomenal. And something I have to say about uh, Villa is that their one goal that they had from Luis, he just kind of so happened to get that rebound in. I mean, Villa was pushing and pushing, and Onana blocked one shot, and then a few seconds later, there was a rebound that went through Onana, but United def- United's defender was, like, behind him to block it, and then finally a third shot went into the net, and it was kind of like shot, deflect, shot, deflect, shot, goal. It all happened very quickly, but after he scored, he kind of, like, stopped and mocked a United defender. Like, he shook, he stood there and he <laughs> shook his chest in his face, and then he ran and celebrated, which, in my opinion, is kind of, like, rude, not very professional, but, I mean, United won anyway, so I'm not really too complaining about that, but I'm just saying, like, the fact that he kind of did that to mock him, like, hey, we tied it up, but then he ended up losing anyway, says a lot. Yeah, I actually thought when Luis scored, I thought United would actually capitulate, like, yeah, because that's something that has been one of their biggest problems. But, you know, Matamane came off the bench, helped United, like, literally instant impact. And I think you just got to give kudos to United because they literally kept trying. And in the end, it got them the win. And... I think they have, I, it like pains me to say this, oh my gosh, they have been getting better recently and it's just a matter of staying consistent with this form because we've seen them have good results and get a bad result and they just have to keep, keep up with this. I mean, you see a lot of press on United, like constantly, not, not just us, we're not even like, you know, that out there, but you see like ESPN and Sky Sports constantly mm-hmm. saying how like, you know, United is very inconsistent. And obviously, they hear this too. They see this too. So that probably might get to them at this point. And hopefully, you know, seeing this, seeing all the press saying things like, you know, inconsistency or, oh, they got mm-hmm. a good goal, a good game. Let's see if it happens again. I feel like they kind of push them. And I mean, I might just be jinxing it, but hopefully they keep up this form because last game, they also had a very similar form to this. The early Saturday game saw Manchester City continuing their winning ways with a late, almost concerning 2-0 win against Everton. The first half stayed quiet with both teams struggling to break the deadlock, but in the second half, Erling Haaland would save Manchester City, scoring two goals in the 71st and 85th minute, helping City get the major three points. And, okay, so City got the win. You see it on paper, City won. Something you expect, but... They struggled for the majority of this game until the goals came. Like, this was probably one of City's worst games this season. 
it takes them to like the last quarter of the game to score a goal and that's like not city like at all yeah they usually come out very strong and very you know consistent as a unit and they i feel like they kind of you know we're very not as a unit if that makes <laughs> sense and you see that both goals were scored by erling holland like you that they know that they have more goal scorers than that like they have you know Ak, like nathan aki and stuff and like he like they don't he didn't score, and the fact that it took him to the 71st minute to do that is crazy. And also, if you're looking at the stats, um, shots on target, they had th- – uh, sorry, Everton had one shot on target, which doesn't seem like a lot. Well, it isn't a lot. But if you look at City side, they only had three shots on target. Yeah. Only that's... three. That's that's very unlike City. Yeah. And something i got to ask you, Isabella, is that you see, like, City, we thought that they were very, you know – gonna win the Premier League, yeah. they were gonna, you know, it's very consistent. Do you think he kind of got to their heads? Because everyone was kind of saying that. And you think they got a little too cocky? The reason I don't think so is because Everton, they have been good this season. Like, they kind of shocked mm-hmm. us with how good they were. And if it wasn't for the points deduction, I think they would have been maybe, like, top six in, like, that kind of area. Because Everton, the way they defended, they made it very hard for City. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I just, I guess I didn't expect Everton to almost make it this hard because it is Manchester City. They made it hard for City to play through the middle. They really kept it tight at the back. And I feel like that's where the majority of them were. They kind of focused on defending more than did more than they did scoring goals. That's probably why they only had one shot on target. Which, I mean, I think that worked out in their favor, though, because honestly, even though they lost, as if I was on Everton, I would be beyond happy that you kept that 0-0 tied scoreline until the 71st minute. Like, that's something that they should be very proud of, especially against City, which we've been constantly saying that they're, like, at a different level. But clearly, you know, yeah, sure, they are, but, like, they're not as much as on a higher level as we might have thought. I I mean, you have to say, they got the result. They got yeah. three points. Holland is back to scoring after he came back from a little injury. They were top of the table for a couple hours before Liverpool played, which shows, you know, they're still there. But I They're think, still in the fight. Yeah, oh, yeah. They're, they are going to be until the end. But I think the biggest, probably most, like, positive thing about this game and the thing that changed the game was their bench. They mm-hmm. had like crazy players on their bench. They had Kevin De Bruyne starting out on the bench. They had Kyle Ra- Walker, Grealish, Bernardo Silva, and that's what like that their bench was incredible. And then we saw in the second half like around the 60th minute, Kyle Walker, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva come on, change the game and they literally did not have a shot on target until those players came on and that that's what changed it because if those players didn't come on I don't think they would have gotten anything from it I feel like they wouldn't have gotten the outcome that they got and honestly I think that Pep underestimated uh Everton yes like he like you said he put some of their star players starting off on the bench which is kind of shocking Mm -hmm. which is kind of what you do during a game where you know you're gonna win you know what's going to be easy and kind of put those players to rest for a little bit for like a bigger game that's upcoming. But clearly that's, I think in my opinion, I think that's what he was thinking. And 
it didn't really work out in their favor until he put them back on the field. And, you know, then they ended up winning it, ended up getting the result, their three points that they needed. But it's just you don't really underestimate uh, Everton because last season they were not that good. In this season, yeah. they only don't really look good because of their deduction of 10 points. Yeah. But if you have, have those 10 points in there, they would be, I think, top six, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure they would be. Just, like, because Everton have always been in a relegation fight for the last couple Premier League seasons. But I don't know. Something just changed about them this season. And they just look a, like a really complete side. Everton right now are in 18th, which mm-hmm. is like quite shocking so if you add like 10 points to that they would have 29 which would put them in 12 which doesn't seem right to me because I literally feel like they should have been like around top six just because I feel like sorry to interrupt but I feel like that um if they were you know in 12th right now they would push them a lot harder to be in like top six and they would end up being or at least in top 10 you know what I mean I think the only reason, because if you look at their last five games, it's two losses and three draws. So I think the draws are kind of the main reason why they're dropping more points and probably why they wouldn't be in the top six with those 10 extra points. Because right now they're Mm -hmm. kind of, I don't want to say they're in a dip, but they they kind of are. (laughs) I mean, they are, but also you got to remember that it is Everton. They've been fighting regu- re- re- relegation you got a it. lot for these past seasons. So I feel like they're kind of used to being down there. And yeah. no one really gives them enough attention. I mean, we don't either. But it's just they're, they're better than expected, especially this season. Spurs would make a comeback against Brighton winning 2-1 to one on Saturday. Brighton would lead in the 17th minute off a penalty off a Mickey Van de Ven foul. Spurs would then regroup in the second half with Mateng Sar equalizing in the 60th minute. And then late in the game, Sun would assist Brennan Johnson to steal the late win. Okay, this was a crucial game for them last week mm-hmm. because, you know, last week they... uh drew with Everton and there was like that whole Vicario situation that game you remember that right yeah (laughs) so I think this was something they had to win especially just for like to continue their top four challenge but Brighton did not make it easy especially Mm -hmm. in the first half like they were literally all over Spurs they were always at their net and I don't want to say it surprised me because Brighton is a good side but just Spurs were like a no-show I mean, yeah, especially since, I mean, sure, you can argue that Brighton's only goal was a penalty. It was kind of like a free goal. But if you're looking at the stats, possession, 47 to 52, 52-4 um, Spurs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that says a lot about how Brighton played. It shows that even though they lost, they still, they they had that lead during halftime. They had that push. They had that constant, not constant flow, but they had that um aggression towards Spurs because even though, I feel like whenever you think of a team playing against one of, like, the big six teams, like, you know, like Spurs, United mm-hmm. City, unless it's one of the big six against, you know, another big six, then you just kind of expect them to easily win. But that's not the case in most games. Like, for example, in the game we were just talking about Everton and City, sure, you should have, like, City should have been, like, a little bit better, but you didn't really expect that from Everton. Same with this game. I feel like they underestimated uh, Brighton. They kind of... You know, they came out stronger than expected and they ended up slacking in the first half. Yeah, so something about Spurs and something that has been, I think, a really key part of how they play is their, like, team talks. 
whatever Pasta Coglu is saying in there is working. Because mm-hmm. we saw, like, two weeks ago when they played Brentford, they were losing 2-0 in the first half. They came out, they scored three goals, like, right after halftime. And that's kind of what they did in this game. I mean, it probably – it wasn't, like, right after halftime, but – you know, mm-hmm. they got the goals they needed. They started to create chances. They, you know, uh, Mateng Sar scored a goal. He tied it up. Then Sun came on in the 63rd minute. He changed the game. It was his first game back uh, after coming back from the Asian Cup. And, you know, he just fit in right away. He played a part in the winning goal. And I think they have such a good chance of finishing top four. They have, they're, they're statistically have the best chance compared to other teams. I just, I just, I really... I'm enjoying Spurs this season. I mean, me too. They've been creating, like you said, a lot of chances after halftime. And whatever he's saying, the locker room is constantly working. Because it's just like, like you see them slacking in the first half. And then so they come out in the second half pushing harder than they ever have. Yeah, so, like, I think one of the reasons why they're able to get these goals and kind of come back is the options they have in their front line now. Like, they have many players that are in form I think the biggest one is Richarlison we talked about how we're not really big fans of Richarlison and he's not really like a the main striker but now he's showing that he is like you also have Timo Werner who is starting to play a big part which I would probably I I did not expect (laughs) him to you have Son Brennan Johnson scoring goals and I just think it's like maybe they're not like the biggest names I mean Sun is you could say that Mm -hmm. but like um compared to like a Manchester City but they're doing very well with the players they do have I feel like I've mentioned this multiple times before City not City Spurs has a very specific style of play Mm -hmm. so no matter how good you are who your name is if you don't fit into the style of play then you are not gonna fit in there like say if Holland tried to go to Spurs it would not work well. He just does not fit in with their style of play. But if, like, I don't know, other players came and joined Spurs, then they're in that style of play, then, you know, it would work well no matter how big their name is. Yeah, and I also think it will be a super big accomplishment if they do finish top four, especially in Postacoglu's first season, because like you said, they have a specific style because of Pasta Coglu. He does not change the way he plays for anybody, and that's something that is probably giving him the success that he has. Mm-hmm. So that is all for us today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please don't forget to follow our Instagram and YouTube at Very Factual Podcast.